0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend for 30 years, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house.
1: Yeah. This is why Arizona
2: needs a too pretty to work day. Exactly. It is way too pretty to be inside a studio this morning.
0: Got a nice cool breeze that kicked up a few hours ago.
2: But you can't be every Arizona homeowner's best friend by phoning it in. (laughs) So we're here live Saturday morning. It's Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition for 30 years. And this 7 o'clock hour, this one's only almost four years old. I was thinking about it today. I it's easy to remember because we started the 7 o'clock hour on Landry's one-year-old birthday, Valentine's Day, February 14th, it was a live broadcast at Sanderson Ford. And this hour, what started originally as a home improvement show, and we will get to later in uh, this morning's broadcast, but when we expanded to a fourth hour, we thought, man, we can't, I don't want to. Well, well, let's back up a little bit. The first two hours were home improvement. When we expanded to a third hour in 2004, we thought, well, we can't talk about home improvement for a third hour. uh, We'll run out of content too quick. So we started talking landscape and gardening. So then when we expanded to a fourth hour, we said, well, what are we going to talk about? We all have a love for Arizona. We have a love for outdoors. We have a love for adventure. And it had just organically adapted to this Arizona hour. And if you want something to do this weekend, if you're looking for something to f- occupy your time, entertain yourself or create an adventure, there is no shortage of things to do. I'm looking at the leaf o meter.
0: Checked it yesterday too.
2: Not quite mm-hmm. red. No. Not quite red. It's still in the for the most part hovering in the orange, a little bit of yellow. Uh, in the lower areas like Oak Creek, uh, the inner basin is right on the yellow-orange. So they, we're not quite to the red yet. So maybe maybe not quite time to go all the way up to the Flagstaff area, but you could stop at Tonto Basin for the International Archaeology, Archaeology Day.
0: Archaeological or Archaeology Day? That one. That one. Okay. <laughs>
2: Starting at 700 A.D., tribes from different backgrounds started settling in the Tonto Basin area, and it was inhabited for about 700 years. And today you can go on these the trails down to—now, it's free. You do have to pay for parking, but they'll take you down on a hike on the second half of the day, and you'll get to see— the remains of th- these ruins. I mean, you all, you've heard about Montezuma's Castle. We actually had them on last week, mm-hmm. last Saturday.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But this Tonto Basin is another uh, diamond in the rough. I would say it, it. Not as many people know about it.
0: And and where is this located again? In the Tonto Forest area? Is that S-
2: okay? So picture. If you're driving up to Payson Okay And you pass the Pumpkin Center exit got You it. take the Pumpkin Center exit back And you head back down towards the lake Lake Roosevelt and,
0: Mm-hmm Okay
2: And Roosevelt uh, You know, that then flows into You've got the Salt River So you've got Can, You've got Apache So you could take 88 on your way out And do the old Tortilla Flat Road And enjoy what's going to be a Well, let's see I'm trying to look at it was still dark when we got here this morning. I see blue might, sky. It might be too late for the sunrise, but, yeah, but I can tell by the air and the wind this morning, it was going to be just a beautiful day to watch the sun come up. We won't have the color because there's no clouds, but there's something nice about those crisp, clean days where uh, all this rain we've had, everything just smells fresh. Mm-hmm. And the, there's Creosote still a little bit more the the exactly of oh, yeah. the, the moisture left from oh the rain. And today's guest in the seven o'clock hour is going to talk about that rain. A lot of people have seen what four inches will do to their roof, to their carport.
0: And to the yard with the weeds (laughs) popping up out of nowhere.
2: (laughs) But we're, our guest today is going to talk about what it's done to us underground. We're bringing in uh, a geological survey from the University of Arizona research scientist talking about what this has done. We've talked a lot about fissures and the opening up of the ground below us and what what four inches can really do underneath the ground. So we'll talk uh, a little bit later, and I'm sure we'll have lots of calls about what it's done to the rooftops. <laughs> We're going to talk about what it's doing underneath the ground. It's a very fascinating topic and something we don't think about, but we walk on it drive on it uh, every every day. And Arizona, is in a very unique situation when it relates to water because we had to create solutions. The following Saturday, we're going to be talking water resources because we didn't have water, so we had to plan for it. We've got the CAP. Uh, We had that tour last week out at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant and the amount of water they use. Well, all that water kind uh, of—CAP is a big part of it, but Mm -hmm. not directly— It's all recycled wastewater from the city of Phoenix. So it's after it's passed through our showers, our laundry, our dishwasher. And any time we put anything down the drain, it goes pumped. It's all cleaned, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sanitized. (laughs) But everything from the water reclamation is then sent to Palo Verde. So we've done a lot of very smart things to get and manage and use water. But we also have very low levels at Lake Mead which will bring on some rationing. So we're going to have a great broadcast next Saturday talking about water resources, but this one we're going to talk about what four inches, what the wettest October in Arizona, what that's doing to the ground and soils that uh, surrounds us. There was a mudslides that happened one time that took out the road going up to Page. There was one time we had a good rain and it took out, uh, 87 beeline highway on the way up to Payson. Uh, we didn't have anything like that in this time, which is really interesting because uh, of how much we received. But when I left my home that morning, I've got a great video. There's running what 243rd was a running river. Wow, that morning for a couple hours. And what I love about Arizona, Gary, you're from Louisiana, right? When it floods there, how long is that flood there?
0: Uh it could be there for quite a while, you know. I always look at it this way. You know that uh, South Louisiana's got a flooding issue. They have two spillways that they open up. And when you hear they're going to opening, uh, they're going to be opening up the spillways, you know that they've got a lot of water that they need to move around. If not, you got cities like New Orleans that will flood easily.
2: How uh, long yes. how long do those floods stay in Arizona? 3 hours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The next morning. You, you
0: could have a wash uh, that you can't cross for, say, uh, uh, it could be uh, three hours to sometimes two or three days. You mentioned Pumpkin Center. Um, I know that they, uh, they get a good heavy rain. Uh, their only way to get to that little community and back is through a wash. So uh, it, it can vary. It depends on the rain. But the good news is I think we're a couple of inches above average. We were below average for most of the year. And that uh, wettest October has put us above the mark. So there's a good sign there. And it put a smidge dent into our drought as well.
2: So. A couple days, a couple hours later, we're good to go. We're traveling again and out and about enjoying this great state. A couple mm-hmm. other things you can do. Reardon Mansion has Halloween tours, night tours of the Reardon Mansion. I bet that <laughs> would be underneath the tall pines. Uh Quite a, quite an experience. There's a Halloween party at Karshur Caverns uh, down in southern Arizona, along with a guided bird walk at Catalina Park. Uh, London Bridge Days, if you want to get over to the river strip in Havasu. And they also have Hangar 24, the Lake uh, Havasu Airfest. Those came out of the travel... Uh, Travel section of Saturday's Arizona Republic. Things to do around Arizona. There's also Arizona Department of Tourism, has a great website travelaz.com. Has tons of event listings there. I can tell you, there is if you're looking for pumpkin patching. Uh, there's Temacula Farms out in the West Valley. I don't. I still haven't designated the correct pronunciation of that to memory. Uh, but then there's also. What used to be Young's Farm is now Mortimer Family Farms. Down at Three Points south of Tucson, they've got a great festival. Marana has uh, a pumpkin patch right off the freeway. If you want to take the kids out, we're uh, looking at probably hitting hitting the Mortimers on Sunday if the family's up to it. We've had an extremely busy rodeo week, and the kids are exhausted. We've got another day today back at uh, Wickenburg Rodeo Grounds, so we'll just see if, if we're up for it, but our plan is if uh, we get a good night's sleep and everyone's rested and not pooped out from three days of rodeo, which started at the state fairgrounds on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go pick some pumpkins up at Mortimer's. And
0: and I think it is the corn maze at Mortimer's up mm-hmm. and running. Oh, boy. There's a great way to tire out the kids, folks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, you, and yourself, too, if you can't get out of it. So, all great things to do here at Arizona. There's so many different listings and places, and we try and pick the best and uh, bring them all to you here on Saturday mornings. We're going to bring in Mike Conway, research scientist at the Arizona Geological Survey for the University of Arizona, and talk about what four inches of rain has done to the state and the soils. It really isn't something that's going to affect our water levels. All that much. The big significant uh, part of our water resource is really what happens at the snowpack in the winter because that's that melt off is what fills our reservoirs. But I can tell you one thing I haven't had my uh, irrigation on for two weeks now. So there's definitely a lot of conservation that we can do when we get the rains, but filling the reservoirs really relies on the snowpack. We'll be back with the uh, Mike Conway here at Rosie on the House.
0: The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford.
2: We just got done with summer, Gary. What's the, what's the beach music?
0: <laughs> well, I was playing off the geology part, so I figured volcanoes
2: was the... I don't know where I'm going to go when the fissure opens up. We've got Mike Conway, research scientist at the uh, Arizona Geological Survey at the University of Arizona, joining us on the line from Tucson. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us here at Rosie on the House.
1: Hi there. How are you doing today?
2: Good. Welcome to the program, sir. Yeah. So, what is My f- pleasure. Before we talk uh about what 4 inches of rain does to our soils, let's let's back up a little bit and h- how does one become a research scientist at the Arizona Geological Survey?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of different pathways in in my particular case, I was very interested in volcanoes, so that song was very fitting for me, and I actually started uh, working on volcanic fields up in northern Arizona years and years ago. So that's how I got involved.
2: Do you have a prediction on when, when what is that, sunset, not sunset crater, but the one right next to it?
1: That's well, it is great. actually it? the San Francisco volcanic field, which includes sunset, is considered to be an active volcanic field. Um, it doesn't erupt frequently. The eruption, the period between eruptions, is about 2,000, maybe 3,000 years, and Sunset erupted a thousand years ago. So we do anticipate other future eruptions up there, probably to the east of Sunset Crater.
2: And active in the nature's world is, is definitely a lot longer of a time frame than what we re- refer to as active. Yeah, that's right. Every 3,000, <laughs> 3, years.
1: You bet. That's it's not a human scale time frame. But it is it, it it it's worthy to point out that um, the Let, when sunset crater erupted, there were people in the vicinity, the Sinaguan Indians were there, and they were um, inconvenienced by it and actually had to migrate out of the area down to the area around Wupatki.
2: Inconvenienced would be a, a, a nice way to put that. Could you imagine waking sure. up you don't have a truck, you probably don't have enough horses for everyone in the village. Well, and at
1: that time, they probably didn't have any horses. So it was a matter of simply walking uh, down. They went slope from about 7,000 feet to about 5,500 feet at Wapaki. And it's only a handful of miles away.
2: Hmm.
1: Man, well, we
2: uh, thankfully didn't have to uh, we'd live in a time where we can jump in a truck and, and have a few possessions and be a little bit more comforted. Right. What? Um, so from the volcanic fields up? In northern Arizona down to Tucson at the University of Arizona what what's your day spent uh, what's your day consist of now
1: well at the survey we do a lot of basic mapping geologic mapping of um, seven and a half minute quadrangles so half of our team our research team is actually that's what they spend a lot of their time doing we also spend a lot of time investigating natural hazards in Arizona that includes earth fissures uh, landslides, post-wildfire debris flows, and things of that sort. We just published uh, a thematic map online that shows the location of over 6,000 landslide deposits in Arizona.
2: And was that all recently, those 6,000 landslides? Was that just in what time Yeah, that's, that's time a great frame? question. No.
1: In fact, Um, A lot of this was done using Google Earth technology, using aerial photography, and so we haven't explored or investigated on the ground each one of these. So the timing of when they occurred is uncertain, but the deposit is still fresh enough that we can identify it. So we're probably looking at most of these deposits having, um, having been formed sometime in the past million to two million years.
0: Okay, so it's safe to say we're all right for now.
1: <laughs> well, there are landslides occurring uh, with a, a great deal of frequency. We actually see landslides every single year and debris flows every single year. Uh, what we're trying to do, of course, is to understand where they're going to happen next, we need to know where they've happened in the past, and that was the purpose of this mapping.
2: And you said you've posted that online. How does somebody – We have. Yeah, where would it's I find our
1: that? our AZ... Okay. It's actually pretty easy. It's at our home home site, which is edu. If you go there, simply go to the Center for Natural Hazards and it will have uh, we have a series of eight hazard themes there and you can select that particular hazard theme of landslides.
2: And there you've got a great picture of the landslide that happened on the road up to Page. What was that about 2 years
1: ago? Right. Uh, that was, I'm gonna say, that was 2013. Oh my! And it closed that road for two years,
2: and all the traffic got routed on a temporary road that uh, was was cut through the Indian reservation.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and I forget the name of that road. And they 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 groomed it. It was up there originally, and they groomed it, and then they paved it. It was an extraordinarily expensive venture that they that is. Fixing the landslide and fixing the road so that it, oh, hopefully it won't happen again. I think it ran over fifty million dollars
2: <laughs> to get to a very small populated town. But
1: yeah, that uh, yeah, that that's Lake- exactly right. But the folks from Page actually made you know they noted that um, they lost a lot of income during the period of time when that road was out because people weren't getting there.
2: Well, I'm the tourists in the houseboat industry on Lake Powell for those two years. I'm sure. sure. Was significantly uh, damaged Oh absolutely So we've This is a a great resource for Arizona homeowners We're going to come back and talk about Earth fissures uh, Mm -hmm. Which is the main topic that we brought in Uh, Mike Conway, the research scientist At Geological Survey At the University of Arizona The Rosie
0: on the House Arizona Hour Driven by Sanderson Ford
2: On a beautiful Saturday morning. Spend this segment here at Rosie on the House talking about earth fissures. Let's first start by saying what what exactly is a fissure? I'd never even heard of a fissure until about seven or eight years ago.
1: Yeah, well, they're they're very they can be very extensive cracks in the ground surface. And they occur in valleys in southern and central Arizona where there's been a lot of groundwater pumping. So the cause of the, the the fissure formation is the subsidence of the the valley floor as a result of groundwater being pumped out of the out of the aquifer.
2: And they can occur extremely random. there's no real way to predict a fissure.
1: Uh, that, well, it's true. we can't predict them, but they're not entirely random. They do tend to occur in certain locales, and of course, since the driving mechanism is groundwater pumping, that's where you're going to look is in the agriculture areas where there's been a lot of groundwater pumping. So we're not surprised by where the fissures are located. But you're right that if you if you said to us, where's the next fissure going to turn up, we can't tell you that.
2: And on your website, on the fissure page, you've got this drone technology of a two-mile right. long fissure that opened up in
1: 2017. Mm-hmm. What is yeah, it actually, probably opened up in 2016, but we only caught wind of it in 2017.
2: So that kind of answered my question. How long did this fissure take to open up? Is this something that opens yeah. up slowly, or is it a very sudden opening in the earth? You know,
1: it, they they actually can open up pretty quickly. Um, in fact, a single storm or two can really cause these things to open and extend. By the time we caught on to this one, it was probably three-quarters of a mile in length, and then it opened up further over the next three or four months in uh, late 2016, 2017. And uh, it's—I haven't visited it yet this year, but it's a good two miles long and 15 to 20 feet across in places and 30 feet deep in some locales. Which is a real monster of a crack.
2: And something that—why, it's not— you would think you would, it would stand out, but, I mean, you could be walking along and
1: stumble across it. Uh, oh, yeah. This is on flat terrain. Um, you could be within 15 feet of it and, and not know that it was there because the vegetation would sort of block your view. Um, yeah, so they can be a little difficult to find. We use Google Earth quite a bit, and we know the areas where we've seen fissures in the past, and we'll spend some time zooming around on that looking for recent fissures. So how often is
2: that? google earth updated
1: uh you know that's, that's a good question but they're going through updates rather frequently uh, so we actually have a time series of that fissure in pinnell county that opened up in 2016 2017 so we have a couple different shots of that
2: and looking through the images on this fissure page on the fissure it shows guys you know they're down there and they're
1: studying the earth and the mm-hmm. soil what what
2: information are you trying to gather at that point
1: well, it, typically what we're doing when we're on the ground is we have a GPS receiver with us. So we are mapping in detail, almost probably at the uh, sub feet level. We're mapping the location, and we're making notes on the, on the width and also the depth of the earth fissure. So we have a meticulous record of where it's at, how long it is, how deep it is, and how wide it is, so that if it changes over time, we can update those baseline records.
2: And what, what do you do when that happens? Uh, uh, these aren't always out in the desert. There's images here where it's under parking right. lots. It's, uh, it's closed roadways. I mean, do you, yeah. you pump a bunch of concrete in there and put the top back over and say, well, that'll hold yeah, t- the next it's time? Not
1: that's, it's not that simple. It is not that simple by any means. A year ago, um, a, the Houston Avenue over by Apache Junction cracked open as a fissure opened up over there. And so a lot of money and time was spent almost for four or five months, I think, were spent remediating that and trying to mitigate that fissure. And the very next monsoon storm that came through in, in, in August of this year opened it up again. So it's not; they're not simple solutions to mitigate this problem. Um, it takes a lot of thought, and you've got to keep water out of it, and that's kind of essential. You have Mike. to keep water from flowing in.
0: Mike, is there a difference between a sinkhole and a fissure?
1: Yeah, there there certainly is. And uh sinkholes, depending on how you look at them, if we talk about the sinkholes in northern Arizona, we're talking about something called karst formations and limestones. When we talk about sinkholes in the valleys, we're just talking about an area where the soils or sediments have been moved out, perhaps by uh the breaking of a water main or something like that, and then the ground suddenly collapses.
2: And this is the wettest, from what I've heard, the wettest October we've Mm -hmm. recorded in Arizona. What does Mm -hmm. that do to these soils in these problem areas?
1: Well, what we'd be looking for, and uh, Joe Cook, who manages our earth science or our earth fissure program, would be looking for is first hearing from people if new fissures have opened up, or old fissures have reactivated, and then secondly, we'll go out and we'll try and track that down a little bit, take a look at the fissures, see if they've changed over time. We would anticipate that there are going to be some changes to the fissures in Pinnell County, and Maricopa County, and Cochise County, where we really see the greatest number of fissures.
2: And on this website, it gives you a opportunity to report an earth fissure?
1: It, it does. You can always contact us. There's information, contact information for us. We'd be happy to get that. Um, it is one of the struggles is getting people to report an earth fissure. If they occur, as, such as the Pinnell County, we only learned about that by, by reviewing Google Earth imagery. We didn't get any calls on that whatsoever. So those fissures that occur out in agricultural lands, we may not hear about we may have to stumble on, but those that crack roads or damage foundations, we typically get a call from people and we greatly appreciate that.
2: And where that could become critical when you talk about out in the ag departments is there's a lot of homes built over old agricultural (laughs) uh, properties in Arizona.
1: Yeah, there is. And, um, you know, since 2006, um, as a, as a, realtor or a landowner, uh, house buyer, you've had to report if you have an earth fissure on your property. So the reporting has improved greatly, but you're absolutely right. There are some homes that are, uh, you know, with fissures on their property, some homes that are being sort of undercut by earth fissures. So it, it's, it's a problem where we've gone from agriculture and we're rapidly urbanizing an area where fissures occur. We're going to have to deal with those fissures in some fashion. And looking at it, you know, some of these
2: pictures that are showing a fissure, I'd be like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, water washed out, whatever. How do you mm-hmm. look at a uh, washed out area and say, hey, that's just, uh, that's a little runoff or this is something that needs to be reported? Is yeah, there a that's, size that's the or question. classification?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Is there a size? Uh, it's. Yeah, it's it. That's a really good question, and it can be very difficult. I think, especially in the incipient phase, to tell whether this is an earth fissure or just a a crack as the ground's drying out. Um, if you're really if you're concerned, the best thing you can do is probably give us a call at the Arizona Geological Survey. We'll look to see where your property is at. We'll look to see if there's any earth fissures around the area, and if we think we need to come out there, we'd come out and take a look at it. So
2: and again the contact information for the Arizona Geological Survey
1: well you can reach um you can reach us at area code 520 971 3688
2: and when you look at the uh the website's azgs.arizona.edu and the center okay. for natural hazards we get so uh, <laughs> For lack of a better word lazy in arizona because we don't have tornadoes we don't have hurricanes we don't have the massive floodings but uh and we don't have the earthquakes that equate to a lot of damage but we have all those things happening suddenly the the earthquake page on y'all's resource center this time lapse (laughs) video of 19 excuse me 1852 to 2011. It's amazing yeah, to we, see what's happening yeah, in Arizona.
1: We, and we get earthquakes here, and we get probably 75 to 100 quakes within the boundaries of the state of Arizona annually. Most are not felt. How many but, years? Uh, about, about 75 to 100 annually. annually within the, that's within the borders. That doesn't include what happens in Utah or California or Mexico or Colorado that we feel here. That's just those events that originate within Arizona. But we get, you know, across Arizona someplace, there's going to be a felt earthquake or two every year. And so we certainly have the capability of magnitude sixes, magnitude seven earthquakes here in Arizona. And they can do a lot of damage.
2: And the location of the earthquakes, does that have anything to do with where we see fissures occur?
1: No, the fissures really aren't related to um, earthquake events whatsoever. The fissures are all in these, these valleys of unconsolidated sediments where we've been farming for the last 80 or 100 years. The, the faults that cause our earthquakes, um, a number of them are in northern Arizona, but we have faults here in southern Arizona as well. And, of course, in the Yuma area in the southwest, they're only 50 miles from the plate boundary, which is the San Andreas fault zone.
2: Well, I certainly appreciate your time this Saturday morning. I know 7 o'clock is early for a lot of people on Saturday morning, but probably not for archaeological survey yes, scientists. You guys yes. have probably been out there looking at rocks since before the sun came up. I haven't been up. looking at
1: rocks yet, but that's that's my next stop today, yeah. <laughs> what What's that stop? Oh, I'll probably just go out and, and do a little hiking here in the Santa Catalina Mountain, take a look at some of the rocks.
2: Beautiful Saturday morning for that.
1: It is. So,
2: Well, we assert uh, it's Mike Conway. We appreciate your time this Saturday morning and helping educate Arizona homeowners about the beautiful state we live in and our surrounding areas and the ground below us.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for having us on.
2: Thank you. It's Rosie on the House with you every Saturday morning. At Rosie on the House, we want you to get out and enjoy the great state of Arizona. That's why we bring you the Arizona Staycations. Pick up your car at Sanderson Ford. We'll set you up and your accommodations. Plus, Sibley's West Arizona Gift Shop, Soretta's Candy, Coyote Odie Cookies, Sphinx Date Ranch, Cactus Candy, and Arizona Highways always provide some swag for your trip. Win your Arizona Staycation. Register now only at RosieOnTheHouse.com. And if you entered last month and didn't win, you can enter again. We've added that tab to the main part of our menu bar. When you get to rosieonthehouse.com, right there, staycation. You just click on it, fill out your information. We don't do anything with that information other than draw a winner once a month. We will be drawing November 15th. We draw on the 15th for the upcoming month. This started around 2011 as an idea of... You know, helping people stay local and spend money local. We had a hard decade there for a while on the, the economy, and a lot of the tourist industry that really uh, supports Arizona obviously suffered. We were seeing people still leaving the state. Well, why? Why leave the state? This was designed to promote and share the beauty that's within our own uh, our own state, and instead of going and spending money elsewhere. Why not locally? I've heard on uh, a lot of advertisements for, uh, like a, a free kids. I, I think we're having impact because there's advertising in Arizona for people to come to San Diego, and they're selling it as a as a free kids a month in San Diego. I thought, well, we we must be making a dent if they're over here advertising trying to get people back over there. The the staycations having an impact.
0: And Is that for this time of year though?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's recently, just mm-hmm. within the last couple of weeks. I think the beach would be kind of cold in San Diego right now. <laughs> well, they advertise the zoo and yeah. uh, other things. I, I really don't pay that much attention. I just laugh when I hear it. I thought, yeah. we, we must be pulling their tourist money away if they're over here advertising to get people back over there. But uh, we will be drawing for uh, December staycation, which we tie- generally speaking, when this established, we didn't want to put new rules. We don't like rules. We don't like uh, limitations. But we had, we had to change it because we would pull a winner and be like, Oh, oh where are you going? I don't know. Uh, maybe here, maybe there. And Then they'd finally make up their mind it was too late. The hotel rooms would be booked. We'd have to call them back and be like, Okay, well, there's nothing available the time you want to go. Or uh, what you're asking is their highest travel weekend, and we would have needed to book that a year ago. So it became... Basically, uh, this free promotion that we would send people on because we want to do it where it doesn't send you any out of pocket money. Now, anything you spend on artwork or, you know, stuff like Little that souvenirs. or shopping. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. But so we turned around and said, okay, we're going to have to do this the right way and to make it uh, everything it can be, we're going to have to schedule these way in advance. And that allows us to. Increase the amount of accommodations that we can uh, let Sanderson Ford know what ahead of time what vehicles that we need to have ready because you get to pick out your vehicle of choice to travel in. And so then, if you look at it and say, "Hey, I don't want to go to Prescott in December for the courthouse lighting," well, then don't enter this month.
0: There you go. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Wait. Wait till it is a month where it's a event you would want to do and enter for that month. Uh, so
0: but that. I mean, come on. You do want to go to Prescott for Christmas. I mean, it's it's Arizona's Christmas city for crying out loud. It's a beautiful place, especially around the courthouse, which is where it's happening.
2: And that's been a Saturday morning tradition uh, for us to broadcast live at Jersey Lily Saloon, mm-hmm. right on the balcony at uh, Whiskey Row. We've got the we're we're done broadcasting right about the time the parade's coming uh, down. And there's usually a, a little bit of a lapse, but it started. And it's usually about 20 minutes. We're done broadcasting, and the parade makes its way around Courthouse Square. Uh, It's a beautiful setting. Occasionally you get snow, and then you hang around. That evening they do the courthouse lighting where there's 180 trees in that courthouse, and they wrap. I think they're up to about 120 that they wrap annually. Uh, You get on the courthouse square. They do the Christmas story reading. We sing some carols, and then they do a countdown and light up. Uh, Prescott, and it stays lit until mid-January every night. So that's what uh, we put that staycation together. So that's what you're drawing for now. If that's not something you're interested in, coming up in January, uh, we'll be doing the Little America Hotel in Flagstaff, tied it into the perfect ski weather uh, for for northern Arizona. We've got a $250 gift card to Babbitt's uh, backcountry, Outfitters, so you can get out geared up if you're gonna and if camping's or i'm sorry if skiing's not your thing they've got stuff for any type of outdoor activity so you could gear up for whatever it is you like to do in the outdoors and of course we couldn't send you up to flagstaff without satchmo's dinner for two Uh, that is the barbecue hole in the wall charm of arizona for northern arizona if you're in southern arizona you got to find little miss barbecue but they're hard to find on the way they're not open on weekends and they're usually sold out by three so you've got to you've got to get in line early
0: jennifer will tell you that sachemose has the best pulled barbecue pork sandwich with the coleslaw on the top in the world not not just in the
2: state but in the world gotta Mm. gotta have that coleslaw gotta so that's all at rosyonthehouse.com. Just click on the staycation page. You can enter to win. And, again, there's no limit on how many times you enter. Uh, but if you've won, we won't, and we draw your name again the next month. Well, we kind of filter that out. It Once a year is, uh, is the limit of any reoccurring winners. I don't think we've had any repeat winners yet, but, you know. I'm sure there'll be a point at some time where we will redraw a name, and as long as you haven't been the winner in the last 12 months, well, you'll get to go again. rosieonthehouse.com, all done, where it all starts, Sanderson Ford. You will get there and pick up your vehicle of choice. To It's prearranged. They let you know what's available on the demo lot, but this is all made possible by Sanderson Ford. It's the only place we shop for our vehicles uh, because they have a simple model that we feel really goes hand-in-hand hand with being every Arizona homeowner's best friend, which is our mission, and that's just that people deserve to be treated right. And they've been doing that for over 50 years in the great city of Glendale, Arizona, 51st Avenue, south of Mer- south of Glendale, uh, right on the corner of Maryland, and 51st Avenue. It's a wet—we mentioned earlier it's wet. Have you noticed it's wet? Is it wet? It's right, a, a little bit of wet. There, there's still— Uh, pockets of mud on our dirt road but i tell you what it's doing it is going to be weed season here in arizona Mm -hmm. if you haven't noticed the blanket of green that's coming up across the desert floor if you haven't noticed in your own yard uh what a little bit of well what a lot of rain and a little bit of sunshine will do We're going into weed season, so we've got the Outdoor Living Hour coming up here at 8 o'clock. We'll be talking about weed control. It's also a great time for lawn transitioning if you're going into your winter ryegrass, and it's still a beautiful time to get out and plant something. We've got Jay Harper with Hickman's Farm Choice will be joining us in studio live.